Bible reading, as David says, comes from Isaiah and chapter 40, and we're going to begin the reading at verse 12 and read through to verse 26. If you have a church Bible, it's found on page 725. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for the altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host, one by one, and calls forth each of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Good evening, I'm Stephen, I'm the youth minister here at the church, lovely to see you all here. Um, And tonight, there is going to be lots of audience participation, so I hope you're ready for that. And so we're going to start off with an audience vote, nothing too invasive, don't worry, we're going to start off asking who likes vacuuming? Now, so what we're going to do, we're going to put our hands up. So, hands up if you like to hoover or vacuum. Go on, hands up. Everyone's judging you right now. Uh, hands down, brilliant. Uh, and hands up if you hate hoovering or vacuuming. Oh, that's, that's an even split. Like, wow. Um, now, I used to hate vacuuming. I, used to, I absolutely despise it. That was until the summer of 2015 and my hoovering revolution. 
So I, I, I used to hate vacuum because it's such a hassle. You have to get the hoover out of the cupboard, you've got to plug it in, unplug it, replug it, unplug it, replug it, and then there's hoovering stairs and corners. Like, anyone who does their stairs is a hero in my books. That should be an Olympic sport itself. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, like hoovering is time-consuming, it, it, it's boring, and it's pointless. That was... That was until the summer of 2015 and my Hoover Revolution and the arrival of this beast. This here is the Dyson Animal. Like even the name strikes fear into the heart of dust molecules. This is a cordless wonder. It makes Hoovering a joy. I can do the stairs in no time. I can even do the car without an extension lead. Oh, I, I, I love hoovering. I feel like a stormtrooper battling dust molecules. <sighs> the hoovering revolution. I love it. All because of that thing. And, um, you wonder what I'm going to say next. Um, now, now, I wonder what would happen if we did a vote on who likes to pray or not. Because prayer actually shares a lot of the same characteristics with hoovering. Uh, Prayer can seem uh, time-consuming. Prayer can seem pointless. Prayer can seem boring. So our big question that we're looking at tonight is why pray? Uh, And we're going to take a dive into a tiny little section of the Bible's teaching on prayer. Um, So you're going to need to have this service sheet open. Like There's loads of verses there. Let me come back to those. So get that open and ready. Um, And my big prayer for us is that just like I had a hooving revolution, that today we as a church will have a prayer revolution. That what we look at tonight will challenge, will inspire and encourage passionate prayer. So I'm going to pray now. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Please teach us great things about prayer. And we pray for our very own prayer revolution in this church that we will be challenged, inspired and encouraged to pray Amen um, I've managed to come up with 26 different reasons as to why pray so, but, but, but don't worry, we're not going to have an A to Z sermon or, or, like, on all the different reasons of why to pray, no like, we've heard loads of those reasons before, haven't we? Like, we've heard that prayer works there are 450 examples of that in the Bible. Like We know that we are commanded to pray. Again, there's 650 prayers in the Bible. And we know we have a Father who loves to hear from us. So that's why we pray. But what we're going to look at today, I've been highly selective. And we're going to look at four big reasons as to why we pray. So number one, we pray because of the absolute necessity of prayer. Like, it's not for God's sake that we pray. It's for our sake. Like Matthew 6 verse 8 on the sheet tells us that God knows exactly what we need before we ask him. It's not as though our thoughts are hidden from the Almighty. We're not telling him stuff he doesn't already know. No, God's given us prayer because of who we are. Because we are not awesome. Like, like here in England, we, are, like, we have a self-esteem drive going on. So we need a healthy dose of reality sometimes to put us in our place. Uh, and this, this self-esteem drive has got so out of hand. Um, I used to work at Goldstone Primary School, and part of my job was to hand out team points, like, like gold stars. Um, and, and so part of my job at lunchtimes was to hand out these team points, these gold stars, for drinking water. Yes, in Goldstone Primary School, you get a gold star for drinking water. Like in my day, you got a gold star for a 20-page project on the Romans, not for drinking water. 
So, so at school, from an early age, we are told, you can drink. You're amazing. You can be who you want to be and do what you want to do. And I want to burst that bubble right now. Because it's lies. KO crew, like, you can't. You can't do what you want to do. You can't be who you want to be. It's lies. Like, there is no way that I could ever be a lawyer or a mechanic. I mean, imagine a lawyer without hair and one of those caps. Like, it wouldn't work. I'm not built that way. And, and like, if you're four foot seven, I'm sorry, but there's no chance of you being an NBA basketball legend. I'm sorry. And yet, here in Hove, we think ourselves intelligent, wealthy, and competent. Three deadly enemies to prayer. See, these three, intelligence, wealth, and competency, they kill a fruitful prayer life. Because we think, I don't need to pray, I'm clever, I'll figure it all out. Or, Or we think, I don't need to pray. I've got money. Amazon's quicker and faster than prayer. Or we think, I don't need to pray. I'm fine on my own. I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. I don't need help. We trick ourselves into thinking that we can do life without prayer. And again, it is lies. We We are completely dependent upon God, every single one of us here. So, it is absolutely necessary for us to pray. Because the reality is, you are not awesome. You're not. I mean, um, do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, like, can you keep the earth spinning by sheer willpower alone? Can you beat sin and resist the devil on your own efforts? Can you regulate your breathing when you're asleep? Like, can you change the heart of a friend who does not know Jesus? No, 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 and no. You are not awesome. So breathe. Like, actually do it. Take a big deep breath, everyone. It's all anticipation week here. Brilliant, there we go. Take a big deep breath. And say to yourself, I am not awesome. I want to hear it. I am not awesome. Brilliant. You're average. And that is good news. It means the world is not on your shoulders. It means you can relax. And because it's not on your shoulders, because um, you're not Superman, because you are not awesome and you're dependent upon God, you need to pray. There is an absolute necessity to pray for absolutely everything. For beating sin and resisting the devil. For, For keeping us alive and breathing. For transforming the hearts of the lost. For the future. For tomorrow. For absolutely everything in life. We are dependent upon God. Isaiah 40, on your sheets again, puts the gulf between God and us like this. It says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people, that's us, are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. That's how big God is. He brings princes to naught and reduces rulers of this world to nothing. Like the most powerful people on earth are crushed before God. No sooner they plant and no sooner are they sown, no sooner they take root in the ground, then he blows on them and they wither. God is huge. And we, we are tiny. We are tiny and not awesome. So there is an absolute necessity to pray.
to pray to the one who is awesome because we are dependent on him. So please pray like your life depends on it. Because it does. That's number one. And number two, we pray because of the foolishness of a life without prayer. J.C. Ryle, he said this. He said, to be prayerless is to be without God, without Christ, without grace, without hope, and without heaven. It is to be on the road to hell. And as extreme as that may sound, it's true. Because a life without prayer is foolish and arrogant. More audience participation time. I hope you're ready. Um, How many of you have ever been told you'll understand one day when you grow up? Hands up. Yeah, that's, that's nearly everyone. Love it. Um, now, okay, hands up if you've ever said that to someone. If you've ever, ever said, said those words, you've ever said to someone, you'll understand one day when you grow up. Yeah, KO, you'll get there. It feels so sweet. You'll love that moment. Um, but but like, like in, on this earth, there is an unwritten law that I know more than you because I'm older than you. Now, if that's true for human beings, finite humans who are nothing but grasshoppers, then how much more true is that of the infinite, timeless God? Isaiah 40 again says, Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it who taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? The answer is no one taught him anything because God knows it all. And God in his infinite, timeless, know-it-all wisdom has said, This is how my people will talk to me. They'll pray. In God's infinite wisdom, he has given us prayer. So what are we thinking when we refuse that? We're saying we know more than God. Like, we just see in Isaiah 40, God knows his stuff. I mean, Jesus knew. I mean, that's why in the Gospels we have 25 different examples of him praying to God. Because he knew that's how God wants us to communicate with him when we're on this earth. So life without prayer is foolish and stupid. And now, I need to be careful I'll say this next bit, because I want to affirm God's sovereign rule, God's predestined plan, all of that is 100% true. But have a look at James 4, verse 2. This is world-shaking. You do not have because you do not ask God. There are some things that God will do if we ask him, and he won't do if we don't. You do not have because you do not ask God. So, in the words of John Piper, we are colossal fools if we are offered the chance of communicating with God in such a way that what we say and pray can, can, uh, can make things happen that would not otherwise happen and we refuse that. We are such fools. God is beckoning us to partner with him. Jesus in John 14, verse 13 says, Ask, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's giving us a free pass. He's saying, Ask me, and I'll do stuff for you. Not to do so is foolish, and is selfish too. It's selfish because, as Jesus says, answered prayer brings God glory. So when we don't pray, God misses out on glory. When we don't pray, other people miss out on prayers being answered in their lives. So, 
please pray. I mean, how exciting is it that, that, that when we pray, stuff happens? That's incredible. Like, I want prayer to underpin absolutely everything we do as a church and in our own lives. So, so pray, because uh, it's the most important thing you can do. Pray before Cameo on Thursdays. Pray before going out for coffee with a friend. Pray before school. Pray before KO. Pray before church. Like We meet here um, at 9.30 in the vestry to pray for the morning service and 6 in there to pray before the evening service. Be there. Come and pray with us. Because this also means that small groups together is the most vital ministry this church does. More important than anything else. So this Wednesday, be there. 12 o'clock, in there. 7.45, in there. Be there. This is the most important thing we can do. And sign up to the 12 hours of prayer days I'm telling you all about later on. Because the life without prayer is foolish and it's rude too. Now, um, at school, I was horrible. Like, I really was. And um, there was a boy that our group of friends didn't get on with very well. And so we had a really cruel thing that we do. And this shows me in a horrid and sin-filled life. Like, this is a Paul saying in Romans, he says, what a wretched man I am. So you're going to see that today. Because whenever this boy would come over to our circle of friends, me and my friends would count down. We'd go three, two, one. And we'd disband and reform somewhere else. Ignoring him. Blanking him. Like cold shoulder to the extreme. That's horrid, isn't it? Absolutely horrid. And yet, that's what prayerlessness is like. Because we often say that prayer is talking to God. Actually, prayer is more than that. A better definition could be prayer is responding to the God who talks to us. Prayer is responding to the God who talks to us. Hebrews 1 talks about God speaking to us through his word and through his son. God speaks to us. God spoke this world into being. He made you. And he put that breath inside you. So prayer is God's breath returning to its maker. And not to pray, well, that's to give God the cold shoulder. That's to blank God. That's to ignore God. I mean, how do you feel when someone blatantly and obviously is ignoring you? It's horrible, isn't it? And yet that's how we treat God. Please don't blank God. So we pray because a life without prayer is foolish and rude. And now some of what I've been saying might have struck a chord with you. So we're going to spend a minute, mid-service, praying to God and saying sorry. So on your own, spend that time saying sorry. Maybe saying sorry for, for not praying. Saying sorry for thinking that you're awesome. Saying sorry for prayers unprayed. Saying sorry for blanking and ignoring God. We're going to say sorry. Thirdly, we pray because of the terrible cost of prayer. Um, Our country, if you haven't noticed, is in a political mess, to put it politely. Um, If it escaped, there's an election coming up on the 8th of June. Um, And what I'm seeing on Facebook at the moment, mainly from women, is they say, I don't know how to vote or who to vote for, but I must vote because of what it cost women of the past. And of course they're referring to the times pre-1918 when women in this country were not allowed to vote. And the suffragettes campaigned against this oppression, this pain and this squashing of women in society. See, the vote for women in this country cost Emily Davison her life as she jumped in front of the king's horse. Women, you can vote 
because a high, high price was paid. And there's a terrible cost to prayer too. The cross. Mark 15, verse 34. Jesus on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus, who had his whole life lived the perfect relationship with the Father, is brutally murdered. And in those words of Mark 15, 34, we see what's really going on here. He is completely cut off from the Father for the first and only time. Calling him God for the first and only time in the Gospels. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, suffered absolute agony, separation from the Father so that you could have a relationship with the Father. So that you could pray. This is a terrible cost of prayer. It cost God's Son his life. And if you're new to the Christian faith and you don't have a relationship with that Father for yourself, well, have a think about that cross. Have a think about what Jesus gave up for you. Have a think about the agony he went through so that you could know God as your father. And if you are new to the Christian faith or if you're thinking about it, well, we're running courses to help you know more about that. So speak to me, Phil, Tim, David after the service. We'd love to tell you more about that. And speak to God. We pray because prayer costs Jesus his life. That is a terrible cost of prayer. So do not cheapen prayer. Every prayer costs a drop of Christ's blood. So when you pray, please think of that. Reflect on the cross before praying. Let that shape, inspire and move your prayers. And fourthly, we pray because of the immense privilege of prayer. Sir Thomas Buxton, he said this, he said, You know the value of prayer. It is precious beyond all price. Never, never neglect it. Your relationship with God cost Jesus his life. So it is astonishingly expensive. So pray, pray and pray and never stop. Like prayer is such an immense privilege. Like it's complete, direct access to God the Father because of Jesus. Have a look at Ephesians 3 verse 12. In Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Prayer is utterly staggering. That God, like the almighty creator, sustainer of everything, omnipotent, timeless, incredible, awesome God, would give us his personal phone number and freedom to call him at any time, any place, anywhere, about anything. Us little grasshoppers. Wow. That is staggering. Um, have you ever tried talking to someone when they're, when they're screening when they're on their phone, their laptop, their Xbox. Like, it's nigh on impossible. Like, all you get are grunts in return. Like, 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 there's no cognitive recognition that you're even there. They're not listening to you. They don't even know you're, you're in this room with them. They're clearly more interested in their screen than they are with you. But not God. Because in prayer, we have God's complete and undivided attention because of Christ. He is ears open, 100% attentive to what you are saying when you pray to him. Does that not excite you? Does that not stagger your mind? 
I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. That we grasshoppers would have the undivided attention of the Lord Almighty. That is a a thought that should warm our hearts and blow our minds, inspiring, passionate prayer. We have direct access to the very throne of heaven. And the confidence assurance that as uh, Hebrews 4 verse 16 puts it, we will receive grace and find mercy to help us in our time of need. And that means that we as Christians are never powerless. There are certain situations when we feel powerless. When we're with somebody who for whom life feels like it is crumbling apart, for someone who, who, for who is broken and hurting and battered up. And we may feel powerless. And do you know what the world offers that person? The world would say, I'm sending you positive vibes. I'm giving you good thoughts. Now, people mean well, and I don't mean to be rude, but really... Like, really, what good are positive vibes and good thoughts going to do a broken human being? As Christians, we have something infinitely more valuable and something infinitely more powerful. We can pray. We are never powerless. We don't sit there giving false platitudes to people. We can pray. Pray into the Almighty Father, our God who hears us. We have this complete undivided attention and mercy and grace of a prayer away. What an immense privilege. So pray and pray and pray and pray and be well excited about praying. And if you're hungry to learn more about prayer, I've got two things to help you. Um, Number one is this. It's a book called A Call to Prayer by J.C. Ryle. Buy it and read it. Uh, But it comes with a warning. Um, If you like living a comfortable, easy life, don't buy it and don't read it. Because J.C. Ryle will hit you right where it hurts. And I guarantee, after reading this book, you will not pray the same way again. So I call to prayer, J.T. Wallace, number one, read it. And number two, in your service sheet, you've got a poem. Um, This is a poem in Old English, and it's by a guy called George Herbert. This is his Why Pray, and it is amazing. So what I suggest is, in your quiet times this week, why not take that poem? It's there, free, take it home. And read through a couple of chunks of it. Chew on those for a couple of minutes and then pray. See how that shapes and changes your prayers. A little gift to you. Because as Christians we pray because of the absolute necessity of prayer. Because of the foolishness of a life without prayer. Because of the terrible cost of prayer. And because of the immense privilege of prayer. So pray without ceasing. Let's pray. Father, we're sorry for thinking prayer so che- thinking of prayer so cheaply. We cheapen prayer by not realizing what it costs. Father God, thank you that we can talk to you and we know you'll listen to us because Jesus died on that cross for us. What amazing news. Would that shape, inspire, move and mold our prayers? And Father, please keep teaching us more about prayer, we pray. Amen.